We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. This is Blue Wire. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles. It is a live, in-person episode. Kyle and I are in the same studio. We're in KHTK's studio in Sacramento. It's a little weird. We're not doing this over the internet. I'm looking at Kyle right now. We're both a little bit in shock after what happened last night on Game of Thrones. I guess we can talk about that after the episode, but uh, a lot of stuff going on this weekend. Kyle, how was it? How was Mother's Day and your NBA basketball watching experience how was all that yeah it was a really good weekend i always get a little concerned because i feel like i'm gonna miss something but i i didn't i felt like i had a really good mother's day i went wine tasting and i had we had the basketball games up on my phone and was home in time to see the crazy end of the raptors sixers game the warriors one which is good um <laughs> so no it was a good it's a good weekend yeah so i uh i came to sacramento my mom lives here uh, we did a a brunch over at the Double Tree, it was lovely. Uh, so hung out with her. Me going going to the newsroom today, a rare appearance in the newsroom. But um, yeah, the off season. When you go to the newsroom, are yeah. they like? Do they like applaud? Are they like, oh, he's here? No, he why it. would they applaud? <laughs> why, why would they ever do that? Because you're, it's such a rare. You're like, an yeah, eclipse. it's kind of rare. Yeah, people. sure. <laughs> people, yeah, people are definitely surprised yeah. to see me because, like, I think I'm the only employee who actually works for the newspaper who lives like two and a half hours away. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but um, no, I got got a new uh, editorial situation shaping up that I gotta got to uh, get the feel for. So in Sacramento today, but um, yeah, this is awesome. It gives us an opportunity to talk about the 49ers face to face instead of uh, instead of over the interwebs. So um, today on this episode, we're gonna do. Uh, we're going to talk about the five most intriguing roster battles following the draft. Uh, we're sort of in that slow portion of the offseason where we're between 
uh, phases of the of the conditioning and, and uh, OTAs and, and things like that. So we've had the drafts. Obviously, we had free agency in March. So now we're going to take take inventory of the roster and just and just see what kind of decisions the 49ers are going to have to make when they trim that roster from 90 to 53 uh, at the end of August and, and in early September for week one against uh, when they travel to Tampa Bay. So you have any you, you have any offseason thoughts before you get started with this? No, I hate this time of year though because it's not the like, best. It's it's not, and there's no draft. There's no like we're we're gonna break down the roster kind of as much as we can right now. I know we're not gonna get super into like who's gonna win these position battles. It's just more who's gonna land on the roster. But even everything, the thing about anything you say this time of year could in six weeks be totally irrelevant based on. Uh, what we see in in OTAs or injuries or or what have you, so it's a it's a really rough time of year. Yeah, making roster predictions in May is a great way to sound stupid in August, <laughs> yeah, right? Because right, we perfect. we we've never seen we've never seen these guys practice with other NFL players. We had rookie minicamp, and honestly, there's not a whole lot to take away from rookie minicamp because the rookies are practicing with a bunch of tryout players. Um, so it's not exactly, you know, it's, it's our chance to see these guys put on pads and, and run around for the first time, but there isn't really NFL competition out there on the practice field. So we, it's not really a good barometer of, of how these guys are going to play. And obviously Nick Bosa didn't even participate in 11 on 11s for, right. you know, for health reasons and, um, and things like that. So, uh, let's start our, our first intriguing, I guess we're going, uh, our, we, we ordered this from sort of a broad, a broad perspective, uh, so we're going with the the most intriguing. So I think the five we're, we're starting with the least of our top five intriguing battles. So we're going to go, we're going to start with cornerback and the 49ers kept five cornerbacks mm-hmm. on the roster last year. And so with the addition of Tim Harris and Jason Verrett, the 49ers are going to have some interesting decisions to make, and it's obviously going to come down to health. Um, but cornerback's intriguing because it was such a topic of discussion throughout the offseason because the 49ers were obviously bad in coverage throughout last year. Mm-hmm. And right, um, right. they didn't get a whole lot from Traverius Moore, though he played a little bit late in the season. Uh, Kella Witherspoon was obviously a big talking point. He was injured for, throughout parts. He was inconsistent when he was playing. He was in and out of the lineup. And I think overall, one of the things that the 49ers did, which which might have been a mistake and might be one of the reasons why they have a new defensive backs coach this year, is because they kept rotating at cornerback opposite Richard Sherman through a, a myriad of reasons, right? right? A lot of it was inconsistencies. There were some injuries. Um, and nobody really got in a groove. And, and there wasn't really much continuity on the back end. And that led to a lot of communication issues and things like that. So cornerback is interesting because they have Tim Harris. Um, they have DJ Reed, who's a hybrid uh, you know, slot corner free safety guy who who could make a significant leap this year. I feel like he was really good in the slot last year. Not, I think so not too. Great at safety, so I think that's his spot. Yeah, and Jimmy Ward is is being moved from cornerback to safety full time this offseason. Right. So that's going to be interesting because last year Jimmy Ward was essentially a starter at cornerback because Richard Sherman was coming off his Achilles tear. Right. So you had your top two corners throughout the spring were Jimmy Ward and Akella Witherspoon. And now you have Jimmy Ward. Essentially, I think he's a favorite to be the free safety. Sure. I think Um, he's the best safety on the roster. Yeah, I I agree with that. Obviously health, health permitting, which is, which is a huge question mark. But so looking at 
the the depth chart, the the early the early depth chart. You have Richard Sherman, you have Jason Verrett, who I think the 49ers are are really high on, and he's played in I think four games since 2016, four right. or five. That's that's he. He'll be he'll be the wild card when we when we discuss. He's luscious. Absolutely, and then you have Kawan Williams, Akella Witherspoon, Tervarius Moore, two third round picks in in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Then you have six rounder Tim Harris, uh, Greg Mabin, Emmanuel Mosley, um, and Tyree Robinson. So, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna keep five. There, I think that's the ballpark number. Um, so, you know, usually it's gonna be one. Sl- Usually the the, the teams are going to keep one slot corner, so it could come down. There could be a competition between Kwan Williams and DJ Reed, depending on what happens at safety. Um, sure. If there's an injury at safety, maybe they keep Reed too. Uh, but I mean, how, how do you see cornerback shaking out? I think it's going to depend a lot on Verrett because I don't think there's really a doubt that he's the best corner on the roster next to Richard Sherman. And if you tell me they're getting 16 games from all these guys, injuries aren't a problem. I think Verrett makes a team undoubtedly, but he's coming off an Achilles tear and he has not shown like, 2015 was his, was his lone season where he played 14 games. I think it was his second year. Yeah. Pro bowler. Yeah. He was a pro bowler. He played 14 games, but other than that, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's been a, it's been a variety of different injuries. Like he's just, uh, he's had an ACL. He's had an Achilles. I think he had a shoulder issue as well so he's had he's had injury problems throughout his career and I think that's where I think that's where things could get really shaken up I, th- I think Witherspoon is probably the favorite right now to line up across from Sherman because mm-hmm. he was so good in his rookie year and then he comes back last year he struggled early on but he was so good late before he got hurt um so I think injuries are going to play a big a big role in in how this cornerback roster shakes out. And then DJ Reed, you mentioned he and K1 Williams might be battling for a roster spot. DJ Reed had uh, off season shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. He'll be out till training camp. Yeah, so he won't he won't have the benefit of of OTAs, and he'll be coming back in training camp, coming off an injury. So he's going to be a little bit behind the eight ball in a year where he needs to be at his very best. So that's going to be it, it's. It's going to be intriguing to see how they distribute snaps in training camp and throughout the preseason, and I think that'll tell us a lot about about kind of where guys are at. So for right now, at cornerback, my only locks to make the roster are Sherman, Witherspoon, and Moore. Okay. Um, so yeah. we don't know. I mean, I, assuming Jason Verrett's healthy and playing well, he'll make the team. Um, yeah. But that's a, that's a huge if. He, he hasn't participated he in any of the offseason program. Yeah, yeah, he's coming off an Achilles tear from last summer. Um, so we have no idea really what to expect from him. It's a, it's a big, you know, sort of boomer bust scenario with, with sure. him. Um, Kwan Williams and DJ Reed, obviously competing for the, for the slot corner job. I think Reed is, is more likely to make the team just because he can play safety, right. but you have to, and, and then factoring in Tim Harris, who missed two seasons to have medical red shirts. Uh, he had shoulder and, and wrist injuries at Virginia. You know, I, it, it could be that they keep, six guys instead of five just as an insurance policy i could see that especially going through what they went through at the position last year having an additional body at that spot doesn't sound like a bad idea especially somebody like tim harris who does have nfl size and he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school and when he played and he was healthy he was good it's a lot like Verrett, although we haven't seen him play in the nfl yet but in college he was good when he was healthy so I think they have more talent and this is where this is where I think 
it's important for them this year. I think they have more talent on the roster at this time this year than they did last year. Yeah, And absolutely. that competition wasn't there last year. Like Akella Witherspoon was just kind of penciled in at the top when Richard Sherman got back and he was going to be the starter. Uh, so I think, I think the thing that's important at corner is the fact that they do have some talented players. We still have to see what Tavarius Moore brings in his second year transitioning from safety. Can Akella Witherspoon get back to his kind of peak form and stay there? I consistently be good if if the competition brings that out of those guys uh, I I think the Niners cornerback group will be a lot better yeah and and you remember last July with Witherspoon I think he has the highest upside of all these guys we're sort of talking about outside of Sherman and, and Verrett because remember that the MMQB wrote a story last year about how Akella Witherspoon went to this cornerback camp with right. that Richard Sherman put together with Darius Slay and Akib Tlaib and Witherspoon talked about it. He was quoting the story saying, like, I belong in this group. I'm going to be in a weak corner. And and I think that's one of the reasons why people were so disappointed with his season last year is because he was far from that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the 49ers, one of the reasons why they didn't go, um, they didn't invest significant resources at the position in the offseason is because they think Witherspoon can still get there. And maybe they, they think more can to a point. Um, and they haven't seen that from them. So that's why they weren't so eager to to sign a, a lucrative free agent or trade for somebody like Chris Harris or draft a cornerback before the sixth round. So, yeah. um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, next on our list, I have defensive tackle, uh, mostly because it's going to be a really interesting battle to see how the back end of the depth chart shakes out. Yeah. And, and sort of, you obviously have your, your mainstays. You have DeForest Buckner, you have Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas. Um, and aside from that, like, sure, DJ Jones is probably your, your top nose tackle. Sheldon Day can also play nose tackle. Julian Taylor is, is an intriguing guy entering mm-hmm. year two. Um, and then you have Contavious Street, who uh, was a fourth-round pick last year, missed all of the season because he had a pre-draft ACL tear, who a lot of people thought would have been a day-two draft selection, who, you know, could have been a potential starter if not for the injury. So yeah. not all these guys are going to make it. Um you know, in terms of defensive linemen, I think the Niners are probably going to keep eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about, you know, Nick Bosa, D Ford on the edges. Um, I would assume Ronald Blair is going to have a good shot to make it because he's really their their only other defensive end right now right. with any sort of established NFL career. And so... And he was pretty good last year. Right. So that's three. That's three. Yeah. Blair was good. Um, that's three guys. So then you're looking at the rest of the group and then you have... Buckner, Armstead, Thomas, Jones, Day, Taylor, and Street. You know, I think not, not two of those guys probably aren't going to make it, right? Or one. Right. Like, you could see a scenario where Sheldon Day doesn't make it, or Julian Taylor doesn't make it, or even Contavious Street doesn't make it if he, if he, isn't, um, if he isn't healthy. And they, and they probably have a little bit more flexibility with Street because right. um, they could, you know, stick him on the practice squad or, uh, you know, an injury list or, or something right. like that. So. Is it? I think this is interesting because Robert Sala, has, the defensive coordinator, has hinted at using Eric Armstead at nose tackle more, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Um, Solomon Thomas is going to be playing inside more, which is interesting. So, is Sheldon Day going to be on the outside? Um, is Julian Taylor going to be on the outside? I, I think those three guys competing with Contavious Street uh, is is just going to be really fascinating to watch because. If the 49ers do lose any of their top guys to injury, 
uh, and we know Armstead has an extensive injury history. Obviously, Solomon right. Thomas hasn't been as productive as as a team would have hoped to this point. Um, how is that going to look? Because that's really the strength of the team and the way they've constructed the team. They need that to be a strength. So those guys who aren't starting still need to be productive if they're called upon. And I think versatility is going to be a big thing too, because if you're playing nose tackle, like you're not on the field that often. If if that's all you can do is play nose tackle effectively, you're not going to be on the field very often. So I think uh, throughout camp, seeing which guys line up at various spots and how effective they are at those secondary and tertiary spots I think that'll be that'll be what really separates this group. Tertiary. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm That's a, a I'm great a, word. Yeah, you're welcome. You can use that. <laughs> I can't spell it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you just got a new sports editor. Asking. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Uh, John Lynch has talked about if you're cutting good players, you're in a good spot on your roster, and I think that might be what we see with the defensive line. Not saying they're going to cut three pro bowlers, but they might be in a situation where they cut a player or two that we see come up and become a contributor on a good defensive line elsewhere. And I think that's, like I said, I think that's good news for the Niners that they're really choosing between uh, several players who might actually be pretty good. Yeah, and that's sort of the theme of the offseason, right? You yeah. mentioned the lack of competition last year. A lot of guys came into you know their second seasons, particularly the draft class from 2017, maybe a little bit complacent because they played well to end 2017. Right. Um, and and they they sort of weren't pushed last offseason. That's something Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have both talked about, so that's a good point, too. Um, yeah, like, looking at it, I think there there could be a trade that comes out of this position group. Like, Sheldon Day probably is trade value. I'm mean, not, right. not You're not going to get, like, a, an early-round draft pick, but right. you could you could potentially get a sixth or a seventh for, for Sheldon Day right. for a team-needing depth. He, he could play three-tech. He could play nose. Versatile. He's obviously uh, at a different stage of his career than, than younger guys like Julian Taylor and Kentavious Street, who I think the 49ers would like to develop. So right. um, that'll be interesting. Uh, next position, we have running back. And running back's really interesting because I think it's, you know, it's well established who the top four halfbacks are going to be. You know, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, and Raheem Mostert. Um, those guys have, have all been talked about, and, and Kyle Shannon has even mentioned that there's a strong possibility that the team keeps four running backs on the roster, four halfbacks. Yeah. Um, but just looking at the numbers and, and looking at, the, the roster, it, it might be difficult. And Shanahan has always kept three halfbacks. Yeah. Um, and we know Raheem Mostert's special teams value, which which is going to um, you know have Shanahan considering keeping four. But if you keep four, that means you're taking away a spot elsewhere. So maybe that's all along the offensive line. You remember the Niners kept 10 offensive linemen after mm-hmm. final cuts last year. Maybe they trimmed that number to, to eight or even nine. So maybe that's where... Uh, that's where you skim from if you're keeping four running backs. But, you know, I'm not... Watch this tease. Or they might skim from quarterback. More on that oh, later. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, yeah, so it, I just don't know that it's necessarily a lock that they're keeping all four. I think it's highly likely, but, you know, we Jer- we don't know if Jerick McKinnon's going to start on Pup. Like, that's, that's still a possibility. Right. Um, Tevin Coleman, obviously, the, could be a starter if needed. We, Matt Breida... Could be a starter. Um, he's certainly talented enough to be a starter, particularly within this scheme, but he had recurring ankle issues all throughout last year. And one of the reasons why the 49ers added Tevin Coleman was because Brita struggled to be 100% healthy. That's that, that, something that it's worth noting with with really all four of McKinnon, Brita, Coleman, and Mostert. 
is there's not really there's not a huge financial impact cutting any of them. Right. So I don't think I, I think there's more some more than others, but McKinnon's deal was pretty front loaded last year. Matt Breed is on the last year of an undrafted free agent contract. Tevin Coleman came in on a really cheap two year deal. And then Mostert just signed a three-year deal, but it's not worth not worth a ton of money. So I don't think that's really going to come into play. Where I am interested is to see how effective McKinnon is coming off that ACL because right. so much of what he did was lateral explosiveness, and that's what that's what you lose when you tear an ACL. So that'll be fascinating to see how McKinnon comes back from that injury when he comes back and how effective he is and whether that impacts whether he's going to be on the roster or not. Right. And it's also interesting because we saw Jeff Wilson Jr. play well in spurts after coming in as an undrafted rookie last year. They, they signed Austin Walter running back from rice who Mm -hmm. um, I think anytime Kyle Shanahan picks a, a undrafted rookie running back, you sort of have to keep your eye on that guy. Definitely. So, um, you know, maybe Walter comes in and plays really well and maybe in, in training camp and, and maybe, you know, somebody, maybe McKinnon suffers a setback. I mean, there, there, there's a lot more, there are a lot more possibilities at running back than I think people realize just mm-hmm. given sort of the, how flush they are at the position and how some of these guys are, are dealing with injuries and Shanahan's propensity for developing undrafted rookies at that spot. Yeah, it's not a stone cold. Uh, Shanahan has said they'll keep four. Yep. But um, that doesn't mean that they're going to. Right. Um, I, I, I'm with you. This is not a stone cold lock. Four guys, they're in no matter what. But if I'm putting money on it, I do think they wind up keeping those four guys and they figure out where to trim the roster elsewhere because A, they need depth at that spot. We saw it last year, especially with Brita dealing with so many injuries, McKinnon coming off an injury. But they're all so explosive. Mostert was really good as a runner last year. And he's good on special teams. I, I think that you find ways to get those guys the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think one thing that we also need to keep in mind too, whether um, you know we're, we're talking about them keeping three or four halfbacks, Raheem Mostert is really good on special teams. He's probably their best special teams player. Mm-hmm. But that's not a completely irreplaceable skill set. Sure, right? right? Like you could right. you could find gunners elsewhere. Maybe Tim Harris is a really good gunner. Right. Um, Tervarius Moore got a lot better as the season wore on. Uh, DJ Reed could be really good at it. So right. you, you have other possibilities there. Uh, so you don't necessarily have to be beholden to Moster because he's good on special teams right. because maybe you, you fill that in elsewhere. Let's take a, uh, a quick break to tell you guys about ShipStation, a new sponsor on Candlestick Chronicles. ShipStation, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now... Candlestick Chronicle listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. 
There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Make ship happen. You like that? I love that. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, Did I you didn't, write that? I didn't write this. That that read. But it's love a good that one. copy. Shout out to <laughs> ShipStation. Yep. So we're talking a lot of ship. <laughs> so let's get back to uh, our position battles and. I think the second most intriguing question facing the 49ers throughout August in training camp, are they going to keep three quarterbacks? Because Kyle Shanahan has used three different starting quarterbacks in each of the last two seasons. And there there are different factors at play, of course. Obviously, when you have Brian Hoyer, um, he clearly wasn't the franchise quarterback and he got it. He lost his spot to CJ Beathard, wound up losing his spot to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. In week three of last year, the 49ers go through C.J. Beathard again, and then Nick Mullins comes in, plays well after Beathard uh, can't play in that Thursday night game because of a thumb injury. And then Nick Mullins never relinquishes that starting spot. So there's a really intriguing question out there. It's do they keep three quarterbacks? Mm -hmm. And it's another thing like with with the running backs, like we talked about, Shanahan has never kept or typically doesn't keep three quarterbacks Mm -hmm. on the 53 man roster. But the 49ers might have two backup quarterbacks capable enough to make that a worthwhile idea. And you have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from his ACL tear. So are you confident enough in Jimmy Garoppolo to only have one backup guy? And how much, you know, where's where's that roster spot coming elsewhere on the roster if you keep three? Well, and I think the other thing you have to factor in when looking at that, because keeping three certainly makes sense. But I think the other thing you have to factor in is is Rich Scangarello in in Denver. I know they just drafted Drew Locke and they traded for Joe Flacco. But if he says, hey, I really want Nick Mullins, let's give them a fourth-round pick, I think that's something the Niners would— uh, They would do backflips. They, would, they, they would got a fourth dri- Right, yeah. they would drive either of the quarterbacks. They would leave him in Denver after right. their, after their uh, yeah. joint practices. Yeah, in, in but, ser- but seriously, so it, it's along those same lines if— of okay there's a lot of factors that are going to go into this but they're keeping two quarterbacks if some team comes with what anything higher than a sixth rounder like if they could get a fifth rounder for mullins or bethard they drive them to the airport like they're they're over the moon about that so if that winds up happening i don't think it will but i think that's something that has to be factored in if they put one of these guys on the trade market and the team's going to overpay for one of them so to to me, it's a, it's an interesting conversation because it, it sort of goes back to expectations going into the season, mm-hmm. right? Typically, you lose your franchise quarterback, you're not going to do much. Like you're not, the Niners aren't winning the Super Bowl if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt again. Like right. we can say that they're probably not even going to make the playoffs. <laughs> um, so at that point, is it important to have two really good backups, or do you just face the fact that all right? we're not going to contend because we don't have our starting quarterback. Maybe we don't want to overinvest in the position, win games and cost us, you know, draft slots. Saw that last year. Yeah. 
It didn't really hurt him though. Right. Because they still ended up with Nick Bosa. Right. That's a separate conversation. But <laughs> but you know, do do they do they still want to I, and I know, you know, Kyle Shanahan is competitive and, and John Lynch is competitive and they're entering year three and then right. they're never going to say, oh, you know, we, we don't want to win every game. But if you look at it, like, is it really worth without your franchise quarterback, if Garoppolo were to go down again, is it worth still pushing all your chips into the table, into the middle of the table to be seven and nine or right. eight and eight, six and ten in that range when you could just bottom out and say, all right, we, it's a lost year. We're not competing. Let's, let's bottom out and, and get the best draft pick we can uh, rather and help rebuild this thing rather than try to compete and, and be in this sort of land of mediocrity where you're not really helping yourself improve the roster in the following off season. Right. And that's where, so you're keeping these two quarterbacks to try and maximize your, the value of your second and third string quarterback positions. That just doesn't, that doesn't really track to me. Right. And when you see they they effectively they have their franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They're paying him a lot of money. If he's healthy, he's going to be on the field. And I think bracing for injury and making sure you have two signal callers behind him. When you have other roster spots that like we've talked about, running back, cornerback, defensive line, where hey, maybe that extra roster spot will help. It's really tough to to say they should keep all three quarterbacks. Right. Or keep both backup quarterbacks, I should say. Right. They signed Wilton Spate, I think, an undrafted free agency. They'll probably stash him on the practice squad. That'll be the third quarterback in the quarterback's room. And then you trade or cut Mullins or Bethard. Yeah. I think is how I think is how that has to go. I think both Bethard and Mullins have trade value. I mean Mullins I definitely so does at this point. Yeah. Um just because of what he did. I I don't I, I think I'm I'm um one of the only people in this camp that I still think CJ Beathard has a significantly higher ceiling than Nick Mullins. I, and yeah. that, and that, um, not that I'm trying to discredit what Nick Mullins did because it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Just, just given the fact that he was an undrafted rookie, spent a lot of time on the practice squad and really only got his shot because of two injuries. But I, and I know Kyle Shanahan feels this way. He, he views CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins on an equal playing field. And I sort of do too, because Beathard is significantly more talented. And I would argue that the Niners as a team, the, the supporting cast surrounding the quarterback played a lot better with Nick Mullins than it did with Beathard in both of the last two seasons. So, right. and maybe that reflects poorly on Beathard too, because it's his job to elevate his supporting cast. And maybe Mullins did that more, but I don't think there's really an appreciable difference between the two at this point. I right. still think it's sort of small sample size theater when looking at both these guys. And like that Thursday night game against the Raiders where, where Mullins just completely torched them. Like mm-hmm. I think Beathard would have done the same thing. Yeah. Beathard looked great in, in green Bay on a Monday night. Well, yeah. With the exception of that fourth quarter. Right. But he looked really good in the chargers game at the first game after Garoppolo was hurt. I don't know if Nick Mullins would have, would have had the team in position like, you know, and obviously they got a pick six early in the game. So that yeah. was a huge factor in that one. But I think Beathard still, could be significantly better than Mullins given the circumstances. If 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 they're playing with, you know, if their supporting cast is playing at the same level, all things are equal. Yeah, a CJ Beathard led team probably beats a Nick Mullins led team. All things being equal. Yeah. So I think it was a lot the, of it was circumstance. What the other thing I think is 
there might be people listening to this going, Bethard's 0-10, 1-10, and, and whatever he is as a starter. Bethard has not put up a bunch of wins. Nick Mullins at least won a couple games. Bethard stinks. They're done with him. He's shown, what's his, what's his record? You got one and nine. So yeah, that Giants, that Giants win last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he's one and nine as a starter. That's 10 games. He's won one of them. Get him out of there if he's not going to win. Mm-hmm. But I think the 49ers view C.J. Beathard in a much higher light than a lot of fans probably. They traded up to get him. Right, in the third round. Right. Uh, so you, you, see, you see practices. I don't. But you see the talent discrepancy between the two. And honestly, if you, if you just watch them, if you watch Beathard in a clean pocket, a couple of the throws he made against Green Bay were sick. And you can see there's talent there. But with with Mullins, I think we just kind of saw what he is last year. Mm-hmm. And I think if you put Mullins in any other situation other than the Shanahan offense that he knows inside and out, I'm not I'm not sure we're we're looking at the same guy. Right. And and I think there's a lot to the idea that take Nick Mullins off the 49ers, take give him another any other coach really, except for mm-hmm. maybe, you know, Sean McVay or, or somebody who runs a similar system. I think you see a pretty significant drop off. Yeah. Right. Like one of the the main reason why Nick Mullins was so successful is because of the system he plays in and the coach he plays for. And obviously CJ Beathard plays for the same coach in the same right. system. So I, but like I said, I think circum- if the circumstances were the same, which they weren't, um, I, th- I still think CJ Beathard has higher upside. Um, sure. and I think if you were to poll GMs around the league, I, I, I would guess if the Niners would get a better trade package for, for CJ Beathard because of just the prospect he was and where he was drafted, uh, than they would for Nick Mullins, sure. who was undrafted that makes rookie. Sense. So, um, all right, you ready? Our most intriguing roster battle. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's wide receiver. <laughs> Are you surprised? Hugely. <laughs> um, the Niners have like 27 receivers on the roster right now. That's not exactly true. I think they have 11. <laughs> um, it's a lot. It's a lot of receivers. It's a lot of receivers. They have 11 receivers. Uh, they have kept six. During Shanahan's first two seasons, so they're going to make five cuts. I have four locks to make the team, um, and it's not surprising that they would be Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel. Um, I have Trent Taylor as a lock. Oh. And Jalen Hurd, the recent third-round pick. So guys battling for spot, like guys who I'm not considering locks. Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne, Jordan Matthews, Richie James, and then you have your developmental guys, Max McCaffrey, Sean Poindexter, and Malik Henry. Sure. Um. A lot of overlapping skill sets, a lot of versatility, a mm-hmm. lot of different ways you could deploy these guys, a lot of differing skill sets. So it's just so intriguing because you just really have no idea how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Aside from maybe having I, four locks just because those those guys are locks because they were draft picks. I only have, yeah, and I only have three locks in Pettis, okay. Hurd, and, and Samuel. Okay. Outside of that, it wouldn't, if you came from the future and you told me, hey, Richie James made the roster over Trent Taylor. That wouldn't super surprise me. No, it's not something. Not after last year with his back injury. Yeah, it's not something I would pick to happen because the fact that James couldn't produce last year in that kind of injury-filled receiving core that he couldn't elevate his game a little bit to see more targets. I think that's worrisome for him going forward. But if he does take a step up this year and he showed value as a as a returner last season, he's a super explosive athlete. Probably more so than Trent Taylor, but uh, Trent Taylor, really good route runner, finds ways to get open, tough as nails over the middle. That's going to be a fun spot to watch. 
I just wonder if Taylor is an actual lock for that for that job, and I, I don't think he is yet. Yeah, I think health permitting. If he's yeah. healthy, he's a lock. Uh, I think that's that's fair to say. Right. Um, because that back injury was really more problematic than the 49ers expected it to right. be last year. Because he had surgery in May. I think if they thought it would have been that bad, or if he would have thought it would have been that bad, he would have had the surgery a lot sooner. Right. Um, Marquise Goodwin's a really interesting case study this offseason. He might be the, the 49ers' most interesting vet just in terms of the the range of outcomes we could be looking at for him this summer because obviously they signed him to a three-year extension last offseason after he nearly had a thousand yards and played really well with Jimmy Garoppolo what the 49ers learned in 2018 however was that they can't rely on Goodwin if he's going to be a fulcrum of the passing game just because of his durability issues and it started week one he had that he that calf contusion or that quad contusion that really sort of derailed his season and then he followed up his, you know, 962 yard year in, in 2017 with just 395 yards and 23 catches in 2018. Uh, and it was a season much more commensurate with what he was with Buffalo before joining the 49ers. And, and the issues with Goodwin were never about talent or or anything like that. It was just all about durability and availability. Right. And so Kyle Shanahan, the fact that Kyle Shanahan has said we ideally we would like Goodwin to be a backup and and be sort of a bit player more maybe more of a specialty player just indicates to me that a, a key point this offseason obviously they drafted two receivers is to make it so they don't have to rely on Goodwin to be their number one guy right um and does that necessarily make him a lock for the roster i i don't think it's a lock no they can he's a if he's a released after june 1st which he would be yeah uh the niners saved 3.3 million this year with only 625,000 in dead cap and next year that dead cap number jumps up uh to 1.25 million so it's not would not cost them a lot of money to cut marquis goodwin but on the other hand we've seen how dangerous he can be in this offense and if they can take some of the workload off and maybe keep him healthy, uh, more fresh. I think that only, I think his numbers obviously go down because he's not going to be getting the same amount of targets, but I think his effectiveness goes way up because teams now have to game plan for uh, one of the fastest guys in the league. Right, so I think what what makes Goodwin unique, obviously, is that speed. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers don't have anybody else at receiver who can replicate that speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dante Pettis is is really the other X receiver. So you're talking about, you know, a pretty, like Pettis could be a good deep threat potentially, but he makes it, he, he makes his hay by running routes mm-hmm. and um, being sort of an intermediate guy who can, who can turn an intermediate catch into a big game because he's really mm-hmm. good after the catch. Right. Um, so Goodwin is really the only guy with sort of that game breaking speed that can take the top off the, the, off mm-hmm. the defense. So, and with how reliant the 49ers are going to be on the running game and play action. That's, that's mm-hmm. obviously really important. So Goodwin could have a really important role, but how much faith do you have if you're the 49ers that he's going to, um, that he's going to be good enough to fulfill that role. So it's, right. it's, it's a really interesting battle. And so you have um, Goodwin there, Kendrick Bourne, obviously played pretty well for an undrafted rookie yeah. in his first two years, but now you have Debo Samuel plays the same position, second round pick. I mean, Kendrick Bourne is going to have to be really, really good in the spring 
to or this summer to a make the roster and b find any snaps on right. the roster. Right. And and he's sort of he's unique too in that he's probably their best and most established. I mean, Jordan Matthews isn't necessarily established within the system, but Bourne is probably the most established, you know, quote unquote possession receiver. Right. Right. So he's gonna he he plays Z. That's the same position as Debo Samuel. Obviously Samuel's gonna get um priority here because he was mm-hmm. such a high draft pick. And then Jordan Matthews is really just sort of like a wild card. Like I, I don't you know, I, I I have a hard time seeing that he makes the team barring injury. If he finds because Shanahan talked to I believe I read this in your paper, the Sacramento B, where Shanahan was talking about he wanted versatility from his receivers and how he wanted players who could do multiple things. And I think Matthews can. He's a big-bodied receiver who can play in the slot, but he can also play outside. And he's been super good in the red zone in his career, which is a a big thing for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll make the team because, oh, yeah, hey, we can throw in the ball in the red zone. But if he can be, if he can line up at all the receiver spots and be effective in all of them and get back to the production that he saw in his first two or three years in the league, I think he suddenly not only finds his way onto the roster, but finds a really prominent role in the receiving core. On the other hand, he hasn't been that player for the last three years. He had a hamstring injury and the Patriots just cut him and the Patriots are running like Philip Dorsett at receiver. So I don't, I'm with you. He's obviously not a lock, but he's the, he's the receiver. I'm keeping the closest eye on because it wouldn't surprise me if he got cut, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he finds like a pretty prominent role. And, and the thing to remember too is if you're not starting, you better be a good special teams player. So sure. is Kendrick Bourne a good special teams player? We haven't seen that yet. Um, I would argue that we haven't seen that from Jordan Matthews, mostly because yeah. I haven't, I haven't followed, I didn't follow his special teams a lot use. Of Jordan Matthews special team snaps <laughs> in in Philly or <laughs> Buffalo or or uh, I haven't watched all 22 from New England last summer. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think that's it. Those are our five most intriguing roster battles. Um, I think uh, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. So, Kyle, thanks for thanks for hosting me in your lovely studio yeah, with anytime. all this professional equipment. Anytime really you want to awesome. pop in, I hope this sounds good today. Because if it doesn't, it, that sucks. We're like literally in a professional <laughs> studio. <laughs> so, so yeah, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Um, ratings and reviews are, are really huge for us, particularly on iTunes. So if you guys could leave those, that would be awesome. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later this week.